How's everybody doing this morning? Uh, it is another day. It's hard to believe it's Wednesday. It's Valentine's Day today. So those of you that have a sweetie, make sure and don't forget that. If you're smart, you won't. Uh, others of you who maybe are in a single situation right now, uh, Paul says you're in the better place. So I just want to encourage you as well. Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 7, you can go read that for yourselves and see what that has to say. and uh, But I, I don't want to also not consider the fact that uh, there is the loneliness factor for those. Uh, and, and we have several of you who are in that same type of situation uh, on this Valentine's Day. Well, you know, maybe you're not contemplating the, the, the Valentine of Sweetie, but uh, contemplate the Valentine of a Savior. 
a Savior who loves you, a Savior who is always there for you, a Savior who is changing your life, a Savior who has said, you can trust me on this Valentine's Day. Uh, just draw close to him. Married, not married. Uh, whether you have a special person in your life or whether you don't, uh, draw close to Jesus. He will never, ever fail you. Now, that is an awful segue into today's topic because today's topic has to do with with Satan, with the demonic realm, and uh, it has to it has lessons for us to learn. See, Jesus was being accused of of his works being satanically inspired and strengthened. And uh, Jesus is going to give a retort to his accusers. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, as well as a little further teaching about what happens when we clean the house, meaning cleaning the house of our own soul. We will take a look at that. But for now, let's jump into Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. See, we we always want to say that everything that we're uh, facing with people is a uh, it's physical in nature, but for some, uh, the fact is it could be demonic. Uh, some people would say that that all illnesses are demonic. Uh, I I don't know if I want to go that far, but I think that there. In fact, Satan can attack the body. We know that. Look at what happened to Job and how his own personal body was attacked uh, by the demonic realm and uh, covered with boils from head to toe. So we, we do know from the scriptures in a few different places that some of what we face in our ailments, in fact, can be satanically inspired. Uh, mutinous, perhaps, satanically inspired. I, I do think that some of the things that that we label people with. And I've seen situations where doctors and psychiatrists have tried to deal with people and medicate people and all these things that are unable to um, affect change. And I think sometimes I think, well, the reason you can't affect change is that this is not a medical or a biochemical or even a psychological issue. It's a spiritual issue. And that's something that we've largely ruled out in our day. And, and I wonder, what is the proper balance? And I don't have a good question. I, I mean, I don't have a good answer to that question of what is the proper balance of understanding between what is uh, derived from uh, from simply the human body and, and, and nature uh, and, and what is spiritual. But I do think there is a greater percentage of things that are spiritually induced uh, than what we might think. So this passage says Jesus is driving out a demon from a person that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. Now, remember, these are small towns. Or they're, they're not huge towns. We're not talking towns of you know 15,000 people or, or something like that. In most instances, they, they are they're smaller towns. And, and so this person perhaps would have grown up around people who knew he was mute. So the crowd being amazed wasn't like, okay, going to one of these uh, charades of of some of these healing events. Uh, and I, I maybe shouldn't be so diminutive uh, as to say that. Sometimes you do wonder about some of them. 
but where they didn't know the person in the wheelchair beforehand. This is a situation where they knew the person. They knew the person couldn't speak. They knew from birth this person couldn't speak, and so the crowd was amazed. And yet, the Scripture tells us, the text tells us right here, but some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. In other words, they're putting on a show for us. Uh, and others tested him asking for a sign from heaven. Well, I mean, to have someone that was mute to be healed, what, what more of a sign from heaven do you need than this? But Jesus, it says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Now, uh, let me just, I'll, I'll read a little bit further, and I have plenty of commentary. It says, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I, I say this because you claim I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, they weren't maybe necessarily going up and saying, well, you drive out demons by Beelzebub. Uh, but they were murmuring among themselves, and Jesus was aware of what they were saying. So he said to them, verse 18, if Satan is dividing against himself, how will his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? Hmm? Hmm? So then they will be your judges because there were some in, in their own uh, mix. Uh, and maybe what he is saying in verse 19 uh there's two ways of approaching this. One is, okay, you have people who do the same thing. What's their authority? Hmm? Or the other way of looking at this and approaching this is that by whom do your followers drive them out? They don't. They can't. Uh, and that's the other way that you might look at this particular verse. He said, so these ones will be your judges, those who don't drive out or those who do. And he says in verse 20, he said, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you, and you need to be responsive. I mean, that's not in the text there, but that is the suggestion uh, in what Jesus is saying and how Jesus is what he's saying in verse 20. And then the kingdom of God has come to you, and if the kingdom of God has come to you, will you respond? So from wherever you're listening, I mean, especially in places where you are seeing more and more miraculous things happen because the, the gospel needs to be substantiated in various parts of the world. We we in the West have ruled that out because we don't, it's not necessary. Well, yes, in places of the world where they don't have Bibles, they don't have preachers, it is necessary, and God does move in those ways, uh, in those places, uh, and uh if God is moving in those ways where you live, if you're in a country where where God is doing those things, then this is a very message you can give to the people who are seeing these things and saying, if this is God at work, how are you going to respond? You need to be responsive to God. You, you can't just deny. You can't just reject. You can't just walk away from what's going on here. The source of this, if this is God, you should respond to him. Now, let me finish this section, and then I'll give a little bit more commentary. Verse 21 says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. 
he who is not with me is against me. Now we, we had a, that was flipped over a week ago where he who is not against us is for us. But now he's saying he's not against me. Uh, he, he who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. So, so he's asking, are you with me? Or are you not with me? And, and so who, we ask ourselves, are, are we with Jesus or are we not with Jesus? Do we separate people from him? Do, do we cause people to doubt him or are we pointing people to him? Back up in verse 17, he said, a kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself will fall. I'm going to step out and make some national commentary at this point in time. Uh, and if you're listening from another part of the world, you would ask yourself the same question. In fact, you might be listening from a part of the world where where you see this this up and the down all the time, where <clears throat> where your nation's history is only... 40 or 50 years old and you see the infighting, you see the divisions and you see how things continue to collapse. Some of you live in places like that. But what about us here in America? I'm in America. A good number of my morning listeners are in America. And it says any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. House divided against itself will fall. One of the things that sometimes I will hear, um, News commentators make uh, statements that news commentators will make and politicians will make. Well, the American people want. I don't think in most instances politicians or news people can make an overarching, overreaching statement that the American people want. Now, I think that they should be correct in what they're saying. The American people want. However, the fact is we're a divided country. We're a divided nation. The fact is that, that uh, you know, any politician, newsmaker more accurately would say, well, half the American people want because we are such a 50-50 country right now. Look at how close races are politically. Uh, look at, uh, look at the, uh, the state of, of our legislature, uh, being so close, uh, in fact, uh, the uh, House of Representatives just gained the, the Democratic Party of the House of Representatives just gained another seat yesterday uh, in the uh, New York uh, election to replace George Santos, and a Democrat was voted in, which that changes the balance of power just ever so much more slightly in the House of Representatives, and it is divided right down the middle. How can we get anything done? Well, if we take to heart uh, as American Christians, those of us that live in America, if you live elsewhere, you you could uh, think through what lessons there are. I mean, this could be true even within your household. If a household is divided against itself, how will it stand? You, you, You need to be united in your household and your family as much as you're able to be united. That doesn't mean if you're a Christian living in a house with a non-Christian that you need to uh, abdicate your Christianity to be united. I'm not saying that. Some of you live in households or some of you live in countries where 
your spouse uh, may not be a believer or may not only not be a believer in Jesus, but may be a believer in a different religious system altogether. Uh, and and you, you have to live within that. You have to navigate within that. But But you can navigate within that and seek to be as united as possible with your spouse. But we in America, we, we are so divided. And this is what Jesus concludes in verse 18 about these situations where there is such divisions. He says, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? Verses 17 and 18, there are principles that we must consider for uh, for our times. You know, one one of the things that, that people do discuss and do debate, especially here uh, in American culture, is, you know, is America going to fall? Well, we can't continue to be as divided as we are without eventually falling. Uh, and it goes down into what we read in verses 21 and 22. And, and I, I tend to uh, not like to make this about America or make it political, but but the shoe fits so well right now or maybe I should say so poorly right now, because Jesus further says, when a strong man fully armed guides his own house, his possessions are safe. We're not even guarding our house right now. Uh, we're not, we, we, we're, we're letting down on our military. Uh, we uh, have let down on our borders. Uh, and this, for the record, is not a message about the border, and this is not a passage about a border. But, the shoe does fit when a strong man, fully armed, guards his house, his possessions are safe. We are not guarding our house as we need to guard our house. We're not in a position of strength. And so it says in verse 22, when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up the spoils. Again, lessons for us. And again, for for you Maybe listening from other country, I'm sorry this maybe doesn't have as direct application to you today. Um, and, and by the way, we, we we did have Pakistani listeners yesterday, and I will be speaking in Pakistan on Saturday uh, via this forum, uh, uh, not not Facebook, but uh, a direct a direct link uh, virtually into uh, a group in Pakistan, so you can pray for for Saturday's message uh, that goes there. Um, but when we think of someone stronger, who's stronger in the United States? Uh, our leadership is weak right now. It, it is. And, and you can say what you want to say uh, and say, let's not politicize it. Look, we need to have our eyes fully open. To me, it is it's like a veil is over the, the, the eyes. And scriptures teach that there's a veil over the eyes of, of, of those who don't believe and Avail over the eyes of, of, of half the country if, if you want to. In fact, depending on what polls you're looking at, it's not even half the country, but, but there are a lot of people who still say, uh, you know, Joe Biden has it. And l- listen, the issue isn't age. Not at all. The issue is not age. The issue is a cognitive ability. I, I think a person who's 90 years old who has great cognitive ability and great physical, I, I have had friends that age that are, more stable on their feet than some people who are 60 years old and, and sharper of the mind. So the issue is not age. The issue is cognitive ability. And, and look what we see, unless we're only seeing the, the, all the worst clips of, of Joe Biden, what we're seeing is a person who uh, 
doesn't have the capacity to function uh, in, in that realm. And so we are a weaker nation. Uh, and so when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are safe. We are not a strong man. When someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, well, is is China stronger? Uh, are the nuclear capabilities of Russia stronger? Are there uh, countries who are stronger than the U.S.? We need to take this to heart here in America. Because what will happen? What will happen? And this is a question that I have and a question that many of us wonder about is, uh, is America coming to its end? It could be. I'm not saying it is. Don't don't go out and quote and say, well, Dr. Jim said that it's coming to an end. Now, I'm just asking a question. Could it be coming to an end? We're, we're so divided. Uh, are, are we in a place now where we have allowed uh, people in to the inside of America who will blow us up from on the inside? Uh, either blow us up uh, politically uh, or or even literally blow us up from the inside. We don't know. We need to maintain our strength. Uh, And let me bring this back around to all of us here uh, in our lives. We need to maintain our spiritual strength. We need to maintain our strength as churches. We need to maintain our strength with the believers that we gather around. We need to maintain our strength with with fellow churches and fellow assemblies if you're in a place where, where you have house church. You know, uh, the believers would know each other and pray for each other. And uh, just for the record, the gospel is growing uh, leaps and bounds in, in places like Pakistan, Iran, Iraq. Uh, as people are saying, look, our, our religion is empty, but there is life, there is love, there is transformation, there is peace, there is help, there is hope, there is answered prayer in Jesus. We're not in that place here in America. In, in churches, we need to be gathered together. I I, I may have re- referenced this week already a book, uh, Letters to the American Church uh, by Eric Metaxas. That book was put into my hand. Uh, I'm working with, well, I, I'm not working strongly with yet a, a neurosurgeon out of Bangor who wants to put on an event down this summer, uh, one in Bangor, one in southern Maine, to bring in Eric Metaxas and, and some others who will deal with with these political issues that, that we are uh, that we're in right now. The lessons are clear, though. Let's not be divided internally within our own souls. Let's not be divided in our households. Let's not be divided in our churches. Uh, let's not be divided among churches. Uh, here in America, we have lots of different churches in lots of different places and. It used to be they didn't get along so well, and that that is changing. And we we need to pray toward that end and, and work toward that end. But uh, to to understand the need of, of unity uh, among believers, uh, and that we would be with Jesus in the things that Jesus is doing, and not against Him. So He says this in verse twenty three: He who is not with me is against me. Well, are you against Jesus? Are, are you with him, not with him? Where are you in your life? So uh, there's a comment over here I'm seeing. I, I just want to respond to that comment. Walter's saying, great book. Uh, I want to uh, also say he has a book about Bonhoeffer. 
I, that is out that is also a phenomenal book, a much thicker book. So if you happen to see Eric or if you happen to be emailing with Eric Metaxas, just tell him Dr. Jim said, and, uh, you know, I'll get some credit for that. He doesn't even know who I am. I mean, he's he lives in a different plane than I live, uh, first class. So uh, anyway, a couple of good book suggestions for you. Let me come back over and finish this section, verses 24 through uh, 26. Walter giving the uh, accolade. Yes, also another good book. So, um, verse 24, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. An evil spirit has to go somewhere. Okay. It, it needs a, this is where, when they, they went into the pigs, they said, we have to go into something living or else we're going to end up in a worse place. So when an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest, does not find it. It says, then I'll return to where I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there, and the final condition of that man is worse than the first. Now, what, what can we take out of this? What can we take out of this? When an evil spirit comes out of a man, okay, we, we, we can learn lessons about evil spirits, need a place to go. That's one lesson, verse 24. But when it doesn't find any place, it comes back and says, I'm going to go back where I came from. Verse 25, when it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Now, this is where I want to just camp for a moment on that thought. It finds the house swept clean and put in order. There there are people who will clean up their act. Uh, There are people who will get away from drugs and alcohol. There are people who will uh, get away from a variety of different vices they try to overcome those vices in their own human effort, and, and they do for a season overcome. Uh, and, and even people sometimes who respond to Jesus, they, they respond to Jesus, uh, and they they try to clean up their house, but then they never never take further steps to fill the house with something different. So in verse twenty five, when it says "one it arise," it finds the house swept clean and put in order. I mean, there are many people who's who will take these steps, you know, whatever wagon. It might be the diet wagon. That, that's a wagon I have troubles with and currently back on that wagon and currently back losing weight, but I'm like a yo-yo. I go up and down, and, and my health was starting to become problematic because I had months and months and months of eating whatever I wanted, and it, I'm at the age now where I can't do that anymore. It makes a huge negative impact. So what I need to do is not not only clean out the house, I need to put in the right kinds of food. I guess I'm I'm adding a a metaphor here. Put the right kinds of food in my body that, that A, I feel nourished and and don't feel hungry, but also the things that are good for me. Now, listen, I love scones. Don't you dare buy me any. I love love bread and olive oil and and dipping it in some spices. I love that. Uh, I love pies. I I love potatoes. Uh, I love uh, cheesecake and cookies, all that. But I shouldn't be having that stuff on a regular basis. You know, I I just shouldn't be because it is not good for my body. But what happens is we go on these diets, we keep it clean, but then we need to put something else in there. And and this is where it falls down. Verse 25, where where people fall down, 
okay, I've cleaned up my life, but we need to realize that the Christian life isn't just a case of getting ourselves morally erect. It is a case of filling our life with Jesus. So when we fill our life with Jesus and, and, and the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, when the Holy Spirit is at work in us and, and we are being sensitive to the Spirit and aware of the Spirit and filling our lives with God's truth and filling our lives with worship and filling our lives with prayer, there is, and with fellowship, there is not room for the evil to come back in. So it isn't enough just to make ourselves morally clean. We must also fill our lives with spiritual, uh, with that which is good, with that which is spiritual. Notice what happens to the person who just cleans their house. It said in verse 26, and my goal is to get through verse 28 this morning. It says, when it found, finds the house empty, it goes back and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself. They go in and live there. And the final condition is that man is worse than the first. I mean, there's a warning here. It does get worse. We are worse. We are in a worse place if we only clean the house but don't fill it with godly, good, spiritual things. Our condition can be worse. And some of you may know people who have been in that type of a situation where where the condition is is worse for somebody now than it was before. Let's not be those people. Let's not let our disciples be those people. Let's help our disciples, those that we are responsible for helping grow, get their lives filled up with God. That's what we need to do ourselves personally, but then also if we start helping other people get their lives filled up with God, there's not room for those evil spirits to come back in. Now, these last two verses uh, that I want to cover, because I want to end on the positive. As Jesus was saying these things, when the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth, gave you birth and nursed you, which is a true statement. But see, Jesus doesn't say, ah, yes, my dear mother, she should be, uh, she should be highly regarded and, and put on statues and remembered and venerated. He doesn't say that. Uh, and, and that is the, the state of some churches that take that position. And I, I disagree with that position. I love those people, but I disagree with with uh, putting Mary in a higher platform than, than Jesus does, even as especially in his response here. Notice what he says. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You want to be joyful. You want to be happy. And, and there you can see the verse right there. Blessed are those who hear the word of the Lord and obey it, or the word of God and obey it. May that be us. May we be those obedient people who hear the word of God, who obey the word of God, and live in the blessing of God himself. Well, friends, it's the end of the half hour that we have together, and it is uh, my prayer that we would be those people who are filling our lives with God's stuff. We're filling our lives with uh, with worship, we're filling our lives with fellowship. We're filling our lives with, with the study of the Word of God, either personally or together. We're filling our lives with Christian radio. Uh, we're filling our lives in a way that, that there's not room for the evil to overtake. Lord, help us to live that way. Help us to draw close to you. And Lord, we do pray for our country. We pray that our country would have a, a spiritual revival because that is what is needed. A spiritual awakening, Lord, would you please, by your spirit, and start with us, Lord, 
that we would be on fire for you and that your people would be on fire for you and that we would tell others about you and that you would bring a supernatural revival to America. And Lord, if, if not that, if that is not your will, then prepare your people for the difficult times to come. Lord, we look to you. Help us to walk with you and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, have a great day. See you tomorrow.